Hello again, guys. It's Blair Johnson with the Badass Records Podcast reminding you, if you're so inclined, you can follow the podcast on Twitter or on Instagram. Uh, the website is badassrecordspodcast.com. Uh, got a store open. You can click the merch tab and shop for some swag. Uh, the podcast airs uh, video form on YouTube. You can stream the audio on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, Stitcher, or Pocket Cast. It's the Badass Records podcast where we talk about your story and your music every Thursday. Episode 63, Badass Records Podcast, kicking it with Rob Davis. What's going on, man? How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. Uh, very kind of you to give me a chunk of one of your evenings. Yeah, sorry. This is the uh, second attempt. No, no, that's fine. But uh, I know uh, time is a valuable asset uh, for you. But remind me uh, one more time uh, where you're born and raised. Uh, I was born in uh, Springfield, Massachusetts, lived there till three, and then uh, my father, who was from upstate New York, northern New York, uh, moved us back up there. So I was pretty much raised in uh, northern New York. Messina, New York was the name of the town. It's on the uh, Ontario-Quebec border. Um, very cold, beautiful river, St. Lawrence River. Okay. Uh, Rangers or Islanders for you? Uh, I work eight hours from Buffalo. Oh, you said Bruins, my bad. Right, but uh, because I was uh, born in Springfield, Mass., while my father was uh, down there, he caught the Red Sox bug, which um, brought me to Fenway when uh, I got to see uh, Yaz play one of his last games. Oh, wow, dude. He was 83. So are you 73, baby? 74, baby. Oh, you are? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so uh, December... Um, I'm May 12th. You're, oh, oh you're, yeah. you're right around the corner. 49's coming up, yeah. yeah. In fact, uh, I'm at that age where I was just talking. My mom is 83 now, and I was born on Mother's Day, and two years from now will be uh, um, another Mother's Day birthday, and we're probably thinking it might be our, our last together, which is you know a unique time to get to in life, uh, being close to 50. And um, But, uh, yeah, so we were raised up there, and uh, I caught the, uh, the Boston bug, and uh, while all my friends were Yankees, Mets, um, Islanders, Rangers, Sabres. I was the Bruins, Red Sox guy. Okay, okay. And two older sisters? Two older sisters, yeah, five and six. The reason that we were in Boston, my middle sister uh, had leukemia. Um, but oh, she, damn. She uh, and the best treatment back in the late 70s, and she made it through it. And, oh, uh, awesome. I was, I was a safety net for my sister, Julie, not uh, possibly being an only child. but uh, So we grew up, all three of us, all healthy. And, uh, yeah, great childhood. So. And uh, mom and dad, how did they meet? Uh, <laughs> my uh, father came back from the Korean War, and uh, my mother was a, um, a wait waitress, and my father took a busing job, and uh, they were 20, 21 years old, and my father showed up to work hungover with a wrinkled shirt. And uh, we joke that my mother was the first one to saw him, and she took his shirt and ironed it upstairs for him, so he had the job, and... 
married 58 years before he passed away, and uh, she ironed his clothes every day of his life. Oh my goodness! So they uh, they met on uh, on the job uh, at the age of 2021. 20, um, in the service industry. Um, in the service industry, four months later, they were. Oh, you were fucking doomed from the start. Brother. I was, yeah. So, and then my father ended up taking a job at General Motors, but my mother always waited tables. So, as a kid, all my spare time was spent in the kitchens in various restaurants. So, I think that's where I kind of. And my father was a bartender, also. Yeah. And, uh, so, yeah, I was just raised, um, um, not always in the business, but always around the business. Yeah. So, um, so they uh, they throw tunes on. By the way, you mentioned. Uh, how did it go when your boy came? Uh, and, and is he elsewhere now? He did is, everything he's, go? He's back in New York, and uh, um, I would love to say that we're working on things. Uh, ah. I take a look at it right now. We're uh, um, I'm at a uh, we're at a a, a passe or a um, an impasse. Impasse. Thank you. Is what what I was trying to say. And uh, yeah, he's 25, um, and he's trying to figure life out. Very smart kid. Um, just, uh, trying to figure out the COVID thing and all that. And, uh, but he's back living around his mom and okay. trying to get back into school from my, what I know. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, breaks my heart and I hope that someday we'll, uh, we'll re rekindle. But do you talk to her? Uh, no. Okay. So. Um, I don't know if I've ever told you, but that's Adeline for sweet Adeline yep. and Alehu. So I could you know, sample in a jar. Not, yep. not that I love that song particularly, right. but it was a way to to throw the names yeah that's know. awesome um like i was telling you earlier my son uh we uh um his mom and i got together when we were very young uh i was 20 she was 18 and um but my last name is davis and then uh, we tried to agree on every single name and then uh, kind of blue was playing one day and we were together and i said miles and she goes i like it and so my son's name is Miles Davis. We didn't find out for either, and so wow. we, we we had when Adeline was born, we knew it was either going to be Adeline Grace or Grace Adeline, and she got she was she was the one that said let's do it this way, and I was like absolutely, uh, but we hadn't. Uh, I had I was lobbying for early. He was avoiding, and she was like, I don't. We we were not agreeing, uh, and then when she was pregnant uh, with him, uh, she's like, I don't give a fuck, and just yeah, it's fine. Um, <laughs> But, um, so mom, your mom and dad, uh, put tunes on in the house. Yeah, definitely. My, mo my mother was, um, uh, she came from a bluegrass family oh. and, uh, which is my other, uh, I guess I really haven't spoke to you is my other love. Um, and, uh, so, um, when I was a kid, my father was uh, kind of into jazz, but he was also into Peter, Paul, and Mary, Simon and Garfunkel. My mother loved all those things, uh, but my mother had a... Um, um, she liked the old country, for sure, the Willie Nelson, the George Jones, the P Patsy Cline, but uh, my God, Del McCurry. Um, oh, wow. Um, uh, Scrubs. That's a, that's a rabbit hole I need to go it, down, I think, it, Del yeah. McCurry. And, um, you know, um, all the traditional bluegrass, French-Canadian... Um, family that were from this town uh ellenberg new york which is a town of 800 people but uniquely enough um the farm next to them um were uh um junior barber who uh, won multiple national dobro player of the year award what's, what's a dobro look like uh, it's like it's almost like a big old steelback guitar okay uh, jerry douglas have you ever heard that name? Yeah. Yeah, Jerry Douglas, who is arguably one of the greatest dobro players ever. He plays that. Um, you can play it on your on your lap, almost like a slide, um, but it just has like a metal twang to it. But it's uh, 
it's a beautiful guitar. Um, nice. And, so anyway, yeah, it was just a small community. Bluegrass was big there. So as a, as a kid, and I hated it as a kid, which was <laughs> the way that it goes. Right. And then, uh, you know, somewhere in my college years, after my college years, after finding the Grateful Dead, um, and then learning, of course, with Jerry and, uh, you know, David the Dog Grishman, um, that got me back into more of that dog and Garcia style bluegrass. Old in the way. Old in the way, of course, with Peter big, Rowan, uh, John Kahn, uh, Vassar Clement. Shusher. Grisman, uh, I always would hear that oh, he, would, okay. he would shush you if you oh, were out. And then I saw I saw him in, in uh, uh, at Tipitinas oh. in New Orleans, and sure as shit, he shushed the crowd a yeah, couple times. Yeah, I which I get it, I get it. But yeah, it's just funny. I just think there was that Garcia um, Grisman documentary they did, and it shows both of them playing at uh, Sweetwaters, I think it is. And, okay. Uh, you know, I think that music, especially when those two guys were playing acoustic, I mean, it was such beautiful music that. Um, in small rooms that I'm sure any other one yeah. making some noise. So this, sort of. is, this is vinyl that you're mostly hearing this stuff on when you're young? Yeah, v- vinyl. Um, you know, I can't, I mean, honestly, my memory of, of bluegrass music is more around a campfire. Okay, and just everyone, with an instrument. Yeah, everyone picking. Um, you wow. Know, so, which is kind of neat. My cousin Jamie, who lives in uh, uh, Indiana now, he is a very, very accomplished uh, mandolin player, guitar. He can play any stringed instrument. And... Uh, so yeah, my uh, my mom's had fourteen brothers and sisters. Oh yeah. shit! So I would say seven or eight of them were all very talented guitar players. And uh, my uncle Russell, in fact, before he died, he gave Jamie his guitar. My cousin Jamie. And so to this day, when we have family get-togethers, that guitar always comes Seriously? out. Yeah. There's that, music. Oh, there's music. always music wow. yeah, with us. And you know, I mean, I can play chords and I can sing along. Um, Music was always one of the things that I probably have loved the most, but realized at a young age that I unfortunately don't have the uh, the talent or the right. ability to play it. And I think that's Dis- made... Dis- there's a fuck ton of discipline that goes into there is the ten thousand hours, right? Yeah, a lot of work. And someday, you know, I always do um, think about you know picking up the guitar and, and trying to get better at it. But like you said, it's discipline, and uh, I'm not there right now. Right. And no, it comes hard for me. Um, I think I have a much better ear than I have a better hand. Right. So. But uh, so, yeah, as a kid, it was um, um, that. And then my father's love of, um, in a very, um, my father was uneducated, but he always liked sophisticated things. So classical music was something that okay. he, he would always kind of pop in from time to time. And he couldn't tell you much about it. He just knew he liked it. Right. So um, I would say that no matter what, the music was always something for me as a childhood. It was a happy place. I think it was the one thing that all of, like any family, um, um, you know, maybe we didn't get along at times. We all loved each other, but music was, I think, a common core interest that we all awesome. had a love for. I think that uh, it's oftentimes can be immeasurable, like what that can do for a family. And maybe one of those kind of things where you uh, might not even realize it until way later. Like this, oh, that that was a thing that really, that was good for us. That yeah. We had that. We, we laugh all the time. My father, who passed away uh, at the beginning of COVID um, and you know, lived to be 80 years old, but um, during the holiday seasons, my father loved Perry Cuomo and Perry Cuomo's Christmas. Yeah. And to this day, when uh, you know my sisters and I are talking, you know, it was just um, it was a yearly thing. We never, I mean, after Thanksgiving, Perry Cuomo was on pretty much all the time. And, um, um, <laughs> and uh, but, you know, in, in, in hindsight now, um, and in, every year in the restaurant, I have a, a night where I play Perry Cuomo in the kitchen and uh it brings back great memories and i do think that music has a um 
it's like a, a super highway back to time, you know. And ours was Andy Williams. Andy I mean, Williams, you know, yeah. uh, but there definitely some Perry in the mix as well. Um, but so sisters, they 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 were into music. Did they have collections that you can recall, like cassettes or CDs? Or sure. Um, so yeah, my two older sisters. I was telling you uh, before, just in personal conversation, they were kind of my idols. They were five and six years older than me, and um, I think I liked their boyfriends more than I liked them. <laughs> but you know, when you're eight and they're they're thirteen, fourteen, you pretty much uh, whatever they listen to. So. I mean, we're talking a few years ago, but Meatloaf, uh, oh, man. you know, Bad Out of Hell, there was, um, for them, Olivia Newton-John. I sure. mean, all those, like, 80s, and I remember the, the, the vinyl, sure. I mean, we had the, the metal racks that held the 78s. Is that what they were called? The small? 45s. The 45s, yeah. the singles. You know, Asia, Duran Duran. Nice. Um, all those things. I think every kid who, during that time period, uh, was being raised, um, you know, and that is the early 80s. MTV kind of dominated, um, which brought me through my high school like life of music, which was um, like I was telling you earlier, hair metal. Um, some of it I still like, but a lot of it I listen back now and I, I and I cringe. But um, uh, you know, my sisters and I, I think we had in common with the Led Zeppelin, the Steve uh, Miller Band. Um, you know, all that music of the late seventies, eighties, and they, sure. again, if they were listening to it, then I was listening to it. Do you, um, was there a first album that you fell in love with or one that you started your collection with or my sister at the, um, when I was probably 12 and she, at this point was 17, um, she gave me a, a tape of Pink Floyd's The Final Cut. Oh and shit. Okay. She, and she said that, um, you know, there's this wall or this album called The Wall. There's the dark side of the moon. She's like, but this is Pink Floyd's. Roger Waters. This is what I think is his his best work, and so that was uh, the thing that led me down. Really? The, yeah. And That's to, crazy. To this to day, me. I still think that uh, you know I think the wall or the the final cut is an extension of the wall. Oh, but, for sure. But I do think there's some pretty pretty songs on there. And um, um, what about uh, first show? Uh, first show was my sister Julie brought me to Aerosmith um, in Ottawa for the uh, Ottawa Fair, and that was their. Um, uh, my, my first show was uh, 86. It was the, the, the Dude Looks Like a Lady. Oh, their, their Permanent Vacation. Permanent Vacation. Yeah. It was the, their, their kind of step back into the limelight. And then my second concert was what was supposed to be their um, their last tour back in 1989, the Steel Wheels tour from the Rolling Stones. Okay. And that was my second concert. So 86, 89, I think my 89 second concert when I was, was 15. Um, and... Uh, yeah, we just came from such a geographically isolated area. Um, it wasn't until my senior year of high school that I saw my junior the first Lollapalooza. Okay. We got to see Metallica up in Montreal when the riots happened. Those were kind of... I didn't really get to see that many concerts in high school. Okay. But then went to college, and that's when it Yeah, so I know um, of your culinary background, Um and I know very, very little about the baseball piece, but between what, what did what was life like after after high school? Yeah, high school. I actually went to school for accounting down in Morrisville, uh, which is outside of Syracuse. Two years SUNY school, um, and I had found the Grateful Dead. My did my, you say SUNY? SUNY, which is oh, S U N Y. Yes, yeah, I've seen that word and. So, yeah, so the four-year state colleges in New York are called SUNY, and then the two, oh. the two years are called SUNYs also, but they're C-U-N-Y versus uh, uh, S-U-N-Y. State, oh. state universities in New York. If you're in New York, um, it's um, 
the economical way of going to college. And it's where 90% of, you know, kids that don't get accepted to the Ivy Leagues go to. There's some very good schools for very okay. good prices. So um, I ended up finishing at Albany University, but started at Syracuse, uh, right outside of Syracuse, a little town called Morrisville. Had found the Grateful Dead my senior year and was really going through, like any kid at the age of 18, was going through... Um, um, some transformations, you know, up to that point, I was a pretty clean cut kid who played baseball, enjoyed it, but, uh, found the Grateful Dead and also found that there was other things in life that I didn't know existed and, uh, which led to a lot of experimentation. And also I was blessed and lucky at that time period to be in the Northeast. And I had a roommate who loved the band called Fish. Ah, nice. That I had never heard of. And distinctly John McHugh was his name. And, uh, back then we kept, our bootlegs, and I had my Grateful Dead bootlegs into these uh, kind of wooden racks where you could put all your cassettes in. I'll show you mine after we're done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he uh, under his bed in the dorm, um, he pulled out and he had the 91 run of Fish oh. um, on tapes, and he gave me a couple, and I went and listened, and then... Um, Probably got like uh, Great Woods and Sugarbush and... So, I, I mean, no, this would have been, back then, it would have been, um, it was the, the Townsend shows from like sure. the, the 89, but... Yeah, um, Townsend Family yeah, Park. Yep. Um, so there was a lot of those 87, 88, 89s, and then Otter Goddard College was in there, that's yep. for sure. But there was a Boston, um, I want to say there was a 91 New Year's, which should have been Boston, I think, back then. Um they do 93 at the Spectrum, uh, maybe? Yeah, and then, then they started. Because I, I was at the 94 um, uh, the, uh, New Year's Madison Square Garden run. Then the 95 is the famous one, of course. Yeah. And then you know MSG residency pretty much picked up then. But um, long story short, uh, I listened to Fish, and then it was just happened to be when you were in the Northeast going to college, there was always a Fish show coming up soon. Right. And uh, so probably the most transformative aspect of my love of music and to this day you know fish is just they're it for me and they always will be um i got to see them play um on uh eight grams of mushrooms oh my at, uh, at, uh, that's about seven grams too many sir yeah exactly and that would have been the spring of 92 spring of 93 um and that would have been in hamilton college and um tickets which we didn't pay for. We're going for $13. And um, wow. we were by the auditorium door and the door flung open and we just snuck in. And nice. uh, Fishman was playing the, uh, the vacuum and I was on mushrooms and I wasn't ready for what I saw. Um, but uh, the one thing overall, I think there might have been a You Enjoy Myself, which I didn't know at the time. Um, but there was a couple other, there, it was a very good concert and I just remembered the psychedelics, the music and you know, I'm at a place now in my life where uh, fish to me, you know, I don't need anything at all. It's just the music. But I will say the uh, combination of a mind that was ready to change, um, the psychedelics and the music, um, I was in love. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I think probably 15, 20 shows in the next couple months after that. And, uh, you know, that started that, that run for me. And, um, you know, for a long time in my life, up until 98, I, um, I tried to do and try to see as much fish as I could. Sure. Um, so if I didn't thank you already for being here, I, I really do appreciate it. I know time is, but you, you were kind enough to shoot me a list and, uh, it kind of blew me away. Honestly. Um, uh, I have never sat down and listened to Cat Stevens. Like I've heard what, whatever you expect that I would have heard in my life. I've heard that. Sure. Um, and so T for the Tillerman kicks it off 1970, 11 tracks, 36 minutes, Fucking 
gorgeous. Beautiful. Cat uh, Steven, I dated a girl, and her mother had a Cat Steven's Greatest Hits. I had never heard of him. I was 16 years old and played it and fell in love with that, but then found T for the Tillerman. An interesting story. I probably went through a 15-year period from, I'll say, 2000 to 2015. I didn't listen to Cat Steven except for Another Saturday Night. Sure. Whatever you'd hear on the radio. Yeah. But... um there's a few albums that have been doing this. Uh, uh, Black Crow is um, the Southern uh, companion to. Uh, yeah. It was another album that I just recently listened to, and I said, "God damn it, that that holds up, man. Uh -huh. That is a spectacular album." So to get back to T, T for Tillerman, probably about uh, seven eight years ago, I re-listened re to it, and I think I was at a better place in my life. But I never realized what a beautiful start to finish. Oh album man, that it is. And yeah. and the start, like uh, five songs in, before I'm like shaking my surprise off and able to focus again yeah like, that wow. longer longer boats on there is a great song the um uh, I, it's just a great album so yeah cat stevens um god god bless We're him pass this your way <laughs> oh, shitty uh, images but yeah miles um, miles from nowhere which is also you know cat stevens too when i was going through that kind of like you know from all american kind of kid who really you know had a perception of the world and have it change and for the better and it's one that i'm uh you know the load, uh, road less traveled but um <laughs> um a lot of songs in this album always hit me the miles from nowhere when i just saw the title of it and i mean my god if you really listen to um um the lyrics uh, really good stuff oh yeah um fourth of 11 for him as cat stevens interesting and then three more as yusuf islam and then three more as like a hybrid of the two names um how how did he how did he first land in your lap? Uh, yeah, by pure mistake, a girl I dated. Oh, her mom, mother mom had, had the greatest hits. That's yeah, right. Yeah, never anything that um, and you know it was funny. I I I listened to him back then, and my parents loved Peter Paul and Mary, and um, I didn't realize how all my other friends and my parents were older than a lot of my other friends because uh, my parents had me um, you know late in life. So anyway um. I kind of always, when I was young, before I kind of found the psychedelic experience, that I always took Cat Stevens and Peter, Paul, and Mary um, together. Um, but then when I kind of went through that psychedelic rabbit hole, Cat Stevens, Peter, Paul, and Mary, not so much, which then funny came back around. And recently I started uh, cherishing Peter, Paul, and Mary so much. They're, they're, they're phenomenal musicians yeah. and, um, and really important what they did in their own kind of like little um, area For of, sure. of the arena. But um, that's it's funny. How... Funny that I mean, it's it's worth mentioning. I think uh, a default uh, perception would be, uh, you know, that they were like straight edge or, or, or clean or what. I don't even know all the late. But you're it, right. But that very valuable. Very I mean, valuable and very um, uh, great thinkers. Um, you know, Bob Dylan wrote a lot of their music, and I mean, a lot of the songs. Oh, for real? Yeah. I mean, okay. I mean, Puff the Magic or Dragon is is, um, uh, is Dylan. Really? Uh, yeah. Along with wow. Um, I want to say leaving on a jet plane Ooh. is also Dylan, and also um, um, the answer, my friend, is blown in the wind, which obviously he did, but they also made that yeah, song yeah, yeah. famous too. So you know, D Dylan worked with them and uh, harmonizing wise, beautiful, yeah. beautiful yeah. stuff. So Cat Stevens, yeah, um, through that, my parents never because my father was very uh, army. Um, he, he liked the finer things in life, but the hippie movement was one that wasn't his. Let's right, put it that way. So right. Cat Stevens would have felled or would have landed in that little area, and he would have never said a bad thing about. It. He just right. said that it wasn't for him. Um, so we go from 1970. Let's see, is that right? Yeah, 1970 to 82. Um, 
Never heard of. No, I don't know if I've heard of this guy or not. But okay. December. George Win- Winston. Yes. George Winston. Yeah. Uh, Twelve songs, thirty nine minutes. Uh, also fucking beautiful, man. Like I was like, oh, that's probably a jazz dude. And uh, and then I oh, I was like, oh, it's instrumental. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of got a Christmassy vibe. You it know, does. for half a, I don't know, a chunk of it. So he, um, I mean, obviously the uh, the the canon in there um, yeah. that he kind of uh, variations on canon, which is very uh, Christmassy. And um, uh, so what he did is, I mean, this was my father um, who loved him, and I don't know how my father found him, but he also did um, summer, um, spring. So he did the Vivaldi yeah. kind of like concept, and um, I uh, was another Christmas album that was always in our house. But then when I um, kind of got into the intellectual aspect of college after I <laughs> went through my time period of uh, um, figuring stuff out, I always listened to uh, George Winston when I needed to do studying. And to this day, when I'm in the kitchen by myself and I want to make great food, I find um, his his music is it just... Um, well, he put 17 records out. Yeah, so. he has a bunch of them. Um, and and, and some one of them, uh, Lucy and Linus, yep. uh, the music of Vince Guaraldi, which, you know... Which is also another Christmas favorite of right? mine, and Absolutely. I think that 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 goes without. I mean, that gets a rotation every Christmas. Um, but um, but he 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 takes you to a good spot in the kitchen. He he does. He takes me always back to my. Um, uh, I always have a respect for my father because he was a um, um, a. He didn't even have a high school uh, education, but he was a for very real? no, yeah. But he was um, he was a very successful man. Where and, was he uh, raised? Uh, he was raised in Messina, New York. Okay. And, uh, okay. Then he hitchhiked to Kansas and lied about his age and got into the army. And, oh wow! At the age of sixteen, and then was in Korea at the age of seventeen. Some serious determination. Yeah, and uh, but anyway, uh, he taught me to play the game of golf because he always perceived golf is what um, you know uh, rich people do, and he also introduced me to seafood even when he couldn't afford it because again, my father had this perception that there are certain things that you needed to become refined in life to be able to talk the language of what he found to be successful people. It was a drive of his. And so anyway, yeah, which really, you know, and I think it's common of that age group of that time. I mean, my father would, would be 83 if he was still alive. And, um, he, um, he was a self-made man. And I think that he, um, he again, just really was raised to a poverty level that's really hard to comprehend. So I sure. think that that desire to find money or to find the things in life that were of acquired taste. So anyway, yeah. to him and, you know, George Winston, I feel, has some poppy stuff that really doesn't hit me. But I will say that his um, his uh, December and his winter into spring albums yeah. are absolutely stunningly beautiful. Um, this one went triple platinum, which is interesting. bonkers. That's yeah. a lot of... For a classical, yeah, yeah. you know. Uh, and William Ruhlman from All Music said, it's the mother of all solo instrumental albums and with good reason. Um, and, I mean, uh, Paige and Trey put out December. December also. And then they I never just thought put out, that. They just put out January. January yeah. yeah. Um, interesting. So speaking of uh, Trey and Paige, we're going to uh, go for a quick second out of order, but uh, you mentioned the final cut, um, 1983, 13 songs, 46 minutes, 12 of 15, no Rick Wright, very little Gilmore, Mason is kind of a reduced role, um, your sister, she meant that, you believe, when she said, this is his finest 
work. Yeah, I think so. And then I think, you know, at that age, and, you know, I, I read an article that said that the music that you fall in love with when you're 18 is will define what it is that that, that you love. And I will say that, um, and they were saying that in, in a very sometimes negative, subjective nature, that maybe, mm. maybe you fall in love too much with the music and you think it's the greatest because that's a very formidable time in your life. But I will say at that time, my sister, I just, uh, 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 just worshipped her so much. So if she said it, then I had to be, you know, canon right. gospel, right? right? Um, but I will say that um, as someone who listened to a lot of Pink Floyd, uh, I definitely went through a Pink Floyd rabbit hole in high school. Um, yeah, to me, I mean, I love the, um, the um, audio falling asleep to um to dark side of the moon right waking right. up when the when the bells went off i mean it was a common thing yeah. um and that's i think probably their 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 best well known and probably just from a um, audio point of view i think a lot of technology went in there at the time with them being able to cross channels and stuff like that sure. um but to me i always thought that the final cut was a more personal version of well absolutely of of, of the wall um you know? Roger Waters, you, you father, get, World War Two. Yeah, yeah, dude. I mean, I know. Like, yeah. uh, no disrespect to you or her, but the first, because I, you know, long overstayed my welcome in the, the world of classic rock, and somewhere in that mix, I had very, very heavy Zeppelin and Floyd patches, and when I got to this one, and I'm telling you, like, I went back to Piper and you know did all of them, and I was like. Dude, we got all of these issues from the wall. Like, what is this? Um, and even Heroes uh, Return teases another brick in the wall part yeah, two. Absolutely. I swear uh, the title track has got like a comfortably numb vein running through it. It does. Um, and, you know, I also, uh, so it was curious. So I, I, I uh, by the time I got to this one, um, you know, it, it just didn't stick. And I think I was also a little bit more geeked out at like momentary lapse of reason is kind of happening currently delicate sound of thunder, you know, that kind of stuff. Sure. Yeah. I think there's a lot of like, you know, in looking through this, the one thing that always comes to mind is the final cut. And there's that, the, the lyrics when he's like, um, if I show you my dark side, will you still love me tonight? If I open my heart to you, show you my weak side, what would you do? And he's on the verge of committing suicide, I think. So it's like this this coming back from, this is how I analyze it, coming back from war, seeing the horrors, and finding um, this one person that he falls in love with, but he just can't open up to her because yeah. he's worried about it's going to be so ugly that she's going to leave him, you know? And I was like, my God, that's heavy, you know? And I think that's where yeah. like I kind of like, you know, I think that... Um, Roger Waters might have been the first emo person ever. Like <laughs> that guy really, I mean, he internalized a lot, man. Yeah. And um, so I think it's that, uh, and you know, in talking about childhood too and how all this like reflects back, I think when I was being raised, we were raised in a different time, you know, than it is now. And we were, I was raised um, blue collar. My father opened his business, which became successful, but there was a lot of like, I would not change any of it, but I feel like, you know, we went through, some dysfunction maybe as a family was just stuff that happened and which led me more to find just a peaceful place in music. And I think that, you know, the sadness that was in the final cup probably was just yeah. a sadness that was going through with my dysfunction aspect of my family. Just also the, um, God, the pain of growing up. Yeah. Right. Well, I, mean, I think Jesus. I'm in, in my Floyd po pocket because of curiosity and dysfunction. And, um, you know, uh, before this, rift between waters and Gilmore or waters and the rest is really even like 
you know, hitting my awareness. I'm finding peace in the tracks that Gilmore uh, shows his prowess and sings because his voice is soothing. Um, And I think Gilmore, too. This is how I I feel. Mark Knopfler, David Gilmore, Steve Ray Vaughan, Hendrix. Maybe not 100% of the time, but if I hear literally four seconds of their guitar playing, I know exactly exactly. who it is. And I think Trey sometimes, and you know what I noticed, and I don't know if you thought this, but um, in Wingsuit, um, in that song, when he comes off that, that is like Gilmore. That's comfortably numb. Oh, power. uh, Is it not the same producer? Is it really? I don't even know. You know, I think that was, uh, is that Big Boat? Um, it could be, I, 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 know, I, I just, I, I remember the first time hearing it, I'm like, that's, you know, where I often think about playing in front of that many people that strong. Like if there's a, if there's a, a little hiccup there, the yeah. whole place is going to oh. like <laughs> hear it. But anyway, that's, um, uh, you know, what makes wingsuit for me? Wingsuit doesn't do anything for me. I'll, I'll take it, uh, over, um, uh, what's the other oh, God. Shit. Round room? No, no, no. Oh, that's that's a conversation <laughs> for a different day. Um, um, God damn it! There was a uh, the. It's just a. It's not even a song. It's like um, um, the Abe Vigoda oh. shit. Um, uh, oh, whoa, whoa! That's um, um. You had to have that. Yeah, Wombat. yeah. Fuck that yeah, shit. Right. You know, like I'll take wingsuit. Yeah, um, no, Wingsuit is a powerful song, I think, for sure. I think uh, Waiting All Night, is that the name of that song on yeah. the album, too? I think that's a good one. On I that. love that song. Yeah, I think that's actually... Do you remember when they, they like, put it out as a single? It was, like, yeah, on YouTube, and there's, like, this black and white forest scene with some pink... I do kind of remember that. This pink, like, river of smoke, I don't know, starts kind of pouring... Pouring down, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, I listened to that cool. shit, like, 30 times waiting for that record to come out. Yeah, I mean, that was big back then, because I want to say that was... Was that their kind of? Uh, I get so confused sometimes with them. But, that's uh, that's because uh, I know that the uh, the Coventry show and that's when that round room came on. That was like that ugly time period of you know. There's trade. a fucking ton of people in Facebook fish groups that love round room. I know. I'm like, what is wrong with you? Yeah, that tequila song that's on there. There's whatever. Yeah, whatever. I mean, um, they're, they're, there's a, waves is on there. I think, and I yeah yeah. I, I think Waves is an okay song. It's an okay song. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, there's nothing shitty on there. There's just nothing, ima- you know, uh, I fantastic. Was, I think it was a unique place uh, for them yeah. as a group. Yeah. Um, so, uh, 1989, 16 tracks, 122 minutes, Grateful Dead, one from The Vault, 81375, Great American Music Hall, San Francisco, that iconic introduction. Ladies and gentlemen, the Grateful Dead. You know, yeah. like right into uh, what is really? that help slip? Yeah, and uh, you know, literally, um, um, that album, my god, would have been um, my junior year of high school when I found the Grateful Dead, um, through my earth science teacher, which I told you about. But then I had a, my best friend in life is a gentleman named Pat Musa, who to this day, um, him and I still love the Grateful Dead, but him and I might have, uh, at the age of 17, ate some mushrooms one night, and I stayed <laughs> stayed at his house, and he had a, um, an old pair of wooden cl- clipshes, right? Is that how they're pronounced, the the speaker company? Okay, yeah. K- yeah. K- uh, yep. Bueno speakers. Um, and uh, at the end of a long psychedelic night when you uh, want to go to sleep, sometimes you can't. And uh, But, you know, I was in a really good spot, but we went into his room, and... Um, he had just bought the CD back then. This was 1990. 
And uh, long story short, we put that CD in and I fell asleep on the floor with my head between the two speakers. And I gracefully, I fell asleep at some point, but I was there at that concert. And it was really the, um, the hook, line and sinker that just made me fall in love with everything it. about the Grateful Dead. Everything after that just made sense. It it all came together. I wanted to like the Grateful Dead and I liked trucking and I liked whatever else. The touch of gray back then, you know? But um I I didn't. I uh, I had uh, Skeletons, which is a shitty, shitty greatest sure. hits record. I know and I had uh mm-hmm. Touch of what t- no. Touch of Grey is Bill on. Bill was around Bill, there. Yeah, uh, well, right. but to, what's the record? What's the other one? Um, anyway, uh, so I didn't get it. And then I get to college and hear like American Beauty. And I was like, oh, okay. But yeah, this thing, man. Um, what what a monster of a show. I think they were doing, the, 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 did they do Blues for all of Yeah, the, first uh, time, I yeah, think. Yeah, right, exactly. I and there's some that. weird tracks on there oh, that I don't know the names of. Right, there is. Like, uh, you know, out. Full out psychedelic, in my mind, in that time period, really, because I want to say that was shortly after. I can't remember if it was Mickey or Bill, but one of them took a break and went to India, and then came back. And I don't know enough about music theory, but I know that they brought back hitting off like the offbeat and like bringing that whole realm, which then led them along with the psychedelic music to, to that new realm that they were, you know, because Pigpen before Pigpen obviously went away, and there was that straight in your face. Garcia was like backup blues guitarist, and then I just felt like that music kind of changed and that to me i mean i think back then too that was like the first quality recording that you could get and it was just like whoof and um so yeah that and also reckoning was another album around that time that really great album great album that really hooked me in fact there's a we have a video of my graduation party and my father didn't know it at the time but my friends and i were all on a hit of acid and we were (laughs) drinking off a keg and we were listening to that and we were dancing to ripple with my next door neighbor who didn't think they liked the grateful dead but they loved that song so that album was playing opted in my high school years but it was one from the vault that again opened my eyes out to are open to what the grateful dead were as a live breathing right improv organism entity, yeah man. and um oof. there's a lot of uh i don't i couldn't definitely couldn't count them all there's a lot of uh places in the grateful dead world that um offer peace and tranquility kind of like gilmore kind of like cat stevens um and i think the way that a good eyes of the world starts is one of those places, and yeah. this this one does not disappoint. It is no that uh, must have been the roses on here. Yeah. It's fucking just. I mean, that helps slip Franklin also. I think that's what it's more famous for. That right. around and round on there is phenomenal. Everything the sugary, the big, and then that crazy fingers. Actually, that's what actually introduced me to the song mm-hmm. Crazy Fingers, which I think was a Garcia solo, if I'm correct. Okay. And then I think he brought it back. Or maybe I'm thinking of Cats Under the Star. I don't know. But anyway, it was <laughs> it was just that really unique song that, again, I th- believe up to that point, if I would have heard it, I don't think I would have had the... I wouldn't have been able to understand the, the beauty of that song, you know? And that was like the one that just like that guitar riff that Garcia had in that Crazy Fingers. And of course, like when you're kind of on that psychedelic, I'm just like listening to his hands yeah. come down the board. I'm like, those are some crazy fingers, man. <laughs> and uh, so it was just a cool, cool... Um, transformative album for me to, again to lead me down to this day here we are i mean we're talking 34 years ago that was and i still on spotify listen to 
more Grateful Dead probably than right any anyone. other band. Yeah, I mean yeah. Fish and the Grateful right. Dead. Yeah. You know, honestly, I mean, and I try. I mean, I do. I mean, I'm not just into that psychedelic scene. I listen to a lot of stuff, but there is a safety there for yeah. me. That well. Uh, I misspoke a minute ago when I was talking about going out of order. This was where I went out of order because I wanted to save the best for last. Um, if uh, I was in your seat, mm-hmm. this is one or two on my list. Yeah. Um, 1989 Fish Junta. Now, the listing says 14 tracks, 123 minutes, which is um, a minute longer than that one from The Vault. But that's also counting uh, Union Federal, Sanity, and Iculus, which I do not count. Right. Because my cassette did not have those. Yeah, um, those are something so- that I definitely uh, um, experience. And to this day, uh, I mean, Iculus is, I think, one of the greatest songs ever. I don't want... I, the, don't put the, 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 that's not part of my junta. Right. I start with fee and I end with contact. So no disrespect to those tracks, but for me, um, oh. I mean, this fucking record, bro. And just look at every song on there. And to this day, when they when they when they put them within set list to a show that they could have played last night, you're you're floored to hear any one of those songs, man. Like literally, yeah. there's not like any. I mean. Esther, are you kidding me? Right. Like, and so why this really kind of like Hunter was the album that there was Picture of Nectar, and that was more of a rocking, you know, jazz rock, jazz rock. Where this, I remember coming home from college for a weekend and somehow not having this cassette, but having the cassette, and up in my room, I was actually studying, and I really listened to it for the first time, and I was just like. I have never heard anything like this before at that time. This is 1991, 1992. And, um, you know, from the uh, Trey singing into the uh, megaphone for Fee, Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, just the lyrics and just the, you know, the, the, I mean, that was all something new. And then again, Esther, like, what the fuck is going on, man? I hated, I hated not to skip ahead, but I hated the, like, and it bothered me to have a fish song that I hated. I hated foam for years and then one day did you see it live by chance no no but then one day uh the where they uh there's a really so so that's kind of the prototype um of you know release intention yeah no you got it it's a journey you got to get through some ugly to get to the beautiful and one day because there's a very very beautiful part of foam one day it hit me and i was like oh yeah. It was all worth it. All I, the bam, 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 you know. I always looked at it as um, I felt like I was like going down a dark well. And then, like you said, then when it comes out of it, it's just like, and you know, I mean, Gordon in that bass line at the beginning. And then when, when Trey just comes out of it, it's just like, and then when you do see that live, they do such a great. Um, well, when he comes in with a. I mean, and then the whole thing's just fucking building and yeah. building and it's just straight it's like bottled euphoria yeah that's that's you know and that's i think you know and when you really think about what what sells most people on fish is the um when you if you're just luck i'm not saying lucky but if you have the mind where this stuff sounds great never seen it live then i do consider yourself lucky because it's really it's oh, got, it does to me it, right one thousand you know, percent and and it does for me too but then when i went and saw a lot of these songs live it was like oh my god and that's what i think really hooked me on fish is that they're for playing a back then playing an eight thousand person room they made it like it was a 
Broadway play almost in their own way with their lighting and then, you know, the secret language and right. all this shit going around. I mean, I was lucky to be at the uh, White Album Halloween show. and um, Oh, wow. I'll never forget that. Glenn uh, Falls Civic Center? Yeah, so I was living in Albany at the time. and uh, this You've is seen a, John Fisherman's penis? Uh, yeah, you know, I don't remember that. And this is, this is one of my greatest fish stories that I can tell is that uh, at the time I was... Um, Going through a breakup with this girl who's from Long Island, Sarah. We're still friends today, and um, she was uh, she liked fish because I liked fish, kind of thing. And sure. she was going down a whole nother path, and she the stories those girls could tell. Yeah, she, she, she liked she, fish because I did. She's doing amazing, and that's great. But um, I was a um, sub maker at a place called Madison Subs and Wings, which wow. was in, in the uh, the heart of the uh, Albany University bar scene. Okay, and uh, fish, sounds like fun. Fish was playing. Um, Glens Falls for Halloween. We knew that. And um, I was at a really, I had flunked out of college. I was working at the sub place. I was doing a lot of drugs, man. Uh, but I did have an apartment. You've been drugs in your nose? Uh, yeah, no, I okay. wasn't back okay. then. I was just, uh, uh, I was uh, taking a lot of uh, uh, LSD, okay. uh, smoking a lot of pot. That's but medicine. Yeah, I it's was not drugs. I was, um, I was a heavy, heavy psychedelic person for about three years of my life. Okay. Um, in that time period, I'm talking five, six, seven hundred hits of acid, like way too much. Oh, yeah, bro. way, way too much. Okay. And um, I use that as now I realize that that was a um, that was a, a coping mechanism. And that's that was my drug to abuse. And I abused it. With that said, I think I got a lot, a lot of good out of it. But what I was what I'm trying to tell you all this is because I really didn't have that much money and um, we couldn't get tickets. They had sold out. And then. Two days before the holiday. Wait a minute, college dropout making subs and you don't have any money? I know, shocking, right? 19 years old at the time, and um, this girl walks in, and I had just gone downstairs to put the order away, and it was just in this old shitty building, and downstairs he literally fucking had to, like, you know, duck underneath the, right? the, the rafters and everything, and so I fucking had some kind bud back then. I smoked a bowl, and I uh, didn't realize how much the marijuana smell came up. So I came back up. She walked in. It was daytime. And she was a Long Island girl, which is like 90% of Albany. And uh, very, very dolled up and everything. And I had fish playing. And she's like, it smells like marijuana in here. And I said, <laughs> I'm so sorry. And then she goes, is that that fish playing? And I said, yeah, it is. She goes, my my boyfriend bought me three tickets to go. I don't want to go. And I said, well, I'll gladly take those off your hand. And she's like, uh, yeah, they're like $25. She's like, how about you give me $50 for all three? And I didn't have any money, but I opened that cash drawer and I figured that out secondly. But there was no way I was, so I gave her the yeah, money. right. And then uh, we uh, drove up, my friend Beetle, myself, and my friend Joe Baltris, and uh, we drove up there and... Um, um, yeah, you're, you're like a watered down version of uh, Chief Saholic. Yeah, exactly. The guy that robs banks to go to Chiefs. <laughs> Pretty much, exactly. <laughs> Took fifty dollars, and there was no moral. Um, th- now I look back, I'm like that was. But I paid back that money. That's, sure, that's a thing. But that I counts. didn't. That counts. Yeah. Uh, oh, it did. And I would. I mean, I am that type of person. I mean, yeah. if you know me good enough, you'll know that. But um, I didn't think um anything about it at that time. And uh, but so anyway, we went and um. Um, that was when the fish scene was just really, again, there was the theatrics about that. I remember showing up and I knew a lot about the, the, the group then I have seen them enough then and I would be considered almost an insider back then, but man, people dressing up as an angry pack of joggers, people like, like for the Halloween experience, but it was like, this is getting bigger than anything that I ever could have imagined or, or have been a part of or been part of. And it's like, I mean, sports is one thing. Yeah, it but. is. 
and it was almost like a. And a so it's being in a, a learning institution, sure, a college, a high school. But there was something that just felt right about that to me at that age to them it was a part i i wasn't like a lot of these kids i wasn't you know the wook i wasn't the um, <laughs> the, the 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 trustafarian kid i was none of these but right i knew i loved that music more than anything i think that i ever knew but i didn't understand it and i didn't understand the hippie culture it was all so new to me and it was all the, the only element i would add to cuz this is mirroring, mirroring a lot of what you've said has mirrored my experiences but uh i didn't understand it and it was like this quiet voice in the background that it was like but i will i am going to do everything i can to and then you, you eventually one day you wake up and you're like a fucking walking encyclopedia yeah a fish yeah you know? and that's like you know that's what people who don't understand the band i mean i just I mean, it amazes me how there are some people who are and i i know more than i even fucking conceive that i know but there are right. just people i can tell you last time played like yeah. you know it does <laughs> it does draw that fanatic aspect of it and i do think that i've always been able to um um, in the height of my psychedelic height, like and seeing fish, I went through a bad little section where I thought maybe they were something more than a band. Like it was weird. It was a weird time for me oh, back I, then. I fucking wrote him a poem once uh, and mailed it to him. <laughs> and I, uh, I had Trey in a in a dream, and now it makes sense to me. But Trey one time like came up and was just like, "You have to be passionate. If you're not passionate about it, then don't do it." And at the time, I became a brewmaster, and it was what I. It wasn't. Whoa wasn't what I was supposed to be kind of doing, but it was learned how to make beer because Trey in, in a dream. Uh, it made me, um, um, what I now realize is that I held the band to such a creative esteem without knowing it, that there, I consider myself to be a creative person in life, but obviously on a archetype subconscious level, Trey was just my subconscious, Bro. you know, kind of going. And this he, fucking record is ground zero, dude. Yeah, I mean, it really is. It like, is. And uh, I think that um, I'm aware that I've only heard a very small percentage of all the music in the world, but I can confidently say that I think that you enjoy myself. That studio version is one of the finest compositions ever created. Yeah, it is fucking magical and that would have been the time when trey was really working well what was his name ernie um um you, you, uh styles, styles yeah. yeah right yeah. who who had said the rest of the band are a bunch of like you know i this is just me. sure but that that kid does maybe he has something in him that could be something you know and uh but i think trey trey and, needed that at the time i he, bet no he did and i do i agree with you i just you know and looking at the, the the dinner in a movie song. I mean, a lot of fun, but just what a what a banger of a there song. There is a divided sky. Are you fucking kidding me, David Bowie? Are you kidding me? I mean, if you think about all these songs and what they mean, not only that, but if you really think about it, Yem, Divided Sky, and David Bowie are all definitive set. The band looks at those songs and say, They're "What are staples. we? What are We're we going to do? Heavy duty staples. What are we going to do outside of that? Right. You know what I mean? And like to have all those on one album and." Um, um, there is, I, I, I guess if I hated foam, uh, I thought, I thought of Golgi as a throwaway cause I always knew it was like written in eighth grade science class, blah, 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 but they could play it. And I've had this experience recently. They could play it tonight. And if I were at the show that, uh, Acme yeah. that where it all kind of feels like fireworks of the mind, you know, is special and doesn't get repeated, you know, 
in many other places in their catalog. No, I, I think I forgot Fluff is out there, right? Too, which is just crazy. Yeah, Gogi Apparatus is a, you know, I think I'll always, again, for that time period in my life, um, I mean, this is classic Fish 1.0, you know, and um, uh, yeah, like you said, written in uh, what, Tom Marshall and uh, yep. Trey in eighth grade fucking biology class or whatever it was. Um, um, I, um, contact. Man, um, there's I I I I'm good for a, a bittersweet motel viewing like probably once a year. Yeah. Um I would say not many years have gone by without me revisiting. Um and one of my favorite things to do in in that sort of same lane is to uh pull up the footage from first show back uh 2009. Um it's an East Coast venue. The name is escaping me right now, but it's literally Providence. Was it was that their first show? No, no, I thought it's, it was Providence, it's, Maine. You, no, or, it's um, our um, uh, bank. Not um, hold on. I know they played Fenway around that time too. Well, and it, I remember because I stopped listening to them. So my first show back, just to quickly, was the um, uh, uh, ten twenty six uh, uh, two thousand ten in uh, um, New Hampshire. Okay, and uh, that's when uh, that was the day after um, Gregory Isaacs had died. There's a, oh. Yeah, there's a there's a night nurse on there. Oh, dude, yeah. that is that shit. That song is fucking. That whole record is medicine. Yeah, that Gregory whole, Isaacs was fucking uh, phenomenal. Was yeah, I'm not. I love reggae. That's the other thing. My ex wife was from Jamaica, so that was okay. Uh, yeah, that's another love of mine. Um, Hampton. Hey, yeah, it's Hampton. Oh, it's right. The, the right. comeback, yeah. and they open the with Fluffhead, and the place. There's there's you could oh. YouTube you know oh, not it's all crowd footage but jonathan schwartz was just talking about it on sirius okay the other day and how just collectively speaking i mean you know what and i think that was trey being like hey when i was fucked up because we all know fluffhead is a as someone who can barely play chords uh that is a monster of a fucking song to play on the guitar so um you know i think that was him saying that place goes fucking oh. bananas for like 12 solid minutes yeah. i mean when they because they open with it they take the stage so they're back yeah they're back and, and then he, he hurts that hits that first you know and they and then of course everybody loses their fucking mind for powerful pills as yeah. they always do yeah as they always do but i just think once you know gordon comes in with that boom oh boom boom boom, boom. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's just a great time man there's no other way around it and um yeah that was um i feel like uh you know really at the end and there's so much more for my love of music um than just fish that's for sure but fish just had this weird kind of it's like the perfect time, perfect place. And how I really kind of like have correlated like my life sometimes that, you know, when they went down and Trey was all fucking fucked up, it was funny because I, I think back too and like, I don't know, I feel like I've lived the experience with them and I think that's a really cool thing. And I don't know, I don't, well, I know I'll never do it again with any other band. And, I know. Um, you said, uh, how did you put it? Uh, they're, they're, they're it for me and always will be. Yeah. I mean, that I, I think that I have said those exact words in that order before. You know? Yeah, and I think it's funny because you know, I, at times, like my sense of humor, I I, I find can be um, not gotten sometimes. But I consider myself at times to be a pretty funny person, and I've always thought that their sense of humor and my sense of humor. I don't know. I always got it, man. Like, that's the best way I can describe yeah. it. Like, shit would be going on, and I'd be like, this is fucking hilarious. But so much so that. Uh, when they've done something that's upsetting to me, it like, you know, it's almost like a voodoo doll. Like, I can feel like the whole part of Bittersweet where they're 
you know, fans are approaching him and they're taking pictures and, you know, tilting the camera down and everybody's heads are cut off. I'm like, I would have fucking wept I when know. I got home. I know. I probably would have thought that somehow I fucked it up. But anyway. Yeah, you know, it, it's funny, too, because I, I think, like I was talking about, too, uh, there, you know, there's a time in which I thought fish might have been something bigger than they were. Right, which is like, right. you know, a religious experience yeah. kind of thing. And that was a psychedelic speaking. And then, but, I, you know, I feel like, luckily, I kind of, like, have always had it that, and I think this is coming from someone who tries to create and fails miserably at it as a chef, is that, it's what Garcia, it's why the 91 without a net album is so important in my mind's eye also for the Grateful Dead is that, you know, there is a... That's got a great eyes on it too. Oh, amazing eyes on it. Um, the Althea on that. Yeah. Bum, um, bum, bum, bum. Oh my God. my God. It's so great. But I think here's the thing is that um, any artist, sometimes you deal with, um, I think, dealing with the ego and the consumption and the, the, you know, things can get in the way. People can get hurt and all that stuff. But it's also a very scary, the best way I can describe it, it's like being on a plank in a pirate ship and being, you know, with a bunch of people behind you. Like you are by yourself. There is no net to save you. And, um, you know, I think that's where I got, where I feel that I realized that these guys, they are, they're swinging the baseball bat, man. They're not getting up there. And sure, they might strike out. And sure, they're, you know, like all of us as Hall humans, of Famers we're hit. learning to become better humans along the way. Yeah. And Trey had a nasty habit. And, you know, I'm sure they all had their own things that they had to go through trials, tribulations. Yep. You know, and um, I tell uh, my boy, whenever he's frustrated at the cages, Hall of Famers hit 300. That's three out of every 10. So move on to the next pitch. Exactly. And, you know, and again, move on to the next pitch. And, you know, you were looking for a curveball and he hit you with an inside fast. What are you going to do? Like, you know, but I think that is that, that, that world. And I think any kind of creative person goes through that. And, you know, people who are, you know, sitting on the sidelines and, and, and too harsh on people, I, I don't understand that, right. you know? And I again, know. like I, I wish everything that that band did was spectacular, 100%. But I have never seen another band that 85% of the time is spectacular. Like, and, and that might be even low. Like, well, it, it it might... you have to, if you, before, if I may, before you can uh, allow other bands into the conversation, let's weed out a lot of them by asking who plays the same set list every night. Yeah, I know. So now that all of those are out of the way, now we can look at, you know, it's a whole, it's a, it's, I hate, I hate to say it because it sounds cheesy and cliche, but it really is kind of a lifestyle. It is a lifestyle. And, you know, I, I tell people that Baker's dozen run without one repeat. Uh, find me, find me two, one other band, whatever it is, some, right? some ungodly number. Yeah. And then to have a donut, donut theme, theme each goddamn time. I got you know? two in. Right. Uh, I got, I got jam filled and powdered. Oh, no way. Yeah, man. Yeah. That, that, that. I've never, I've said this many times, 63 episodes deep now. I've, I've said it a couple times. Um, but if I could bottle what MSG felt like when they broke into 1999, yeah. I literally, I was like, I, I think the roof actually might come off. What a great arena. I mean, oh fuck, dude. It was so on uh, page. Just, I was you know, it's yeah. like, we don't give a fuck. We're going for it. Yeah, you know? we're going for it. I, I think that strawberry, uh. Was that was that that was a strawberry, strawberry letters? Uh, yeah, I mean that was beautiful. That night, I thought was uh, that. Uh, I mean, what a run! And um, just again, fish being fish. Like, who thinks of like a baker's dozen and having different donuts to hand out? I mean, it's so cool, right? Yeah. And um, 
Yeah, and so I haven't seen fish live since 2010. Oh um, shit, which bro! Which is crazy. And um, I just did three nights uh, Atlantic City in August. It was a blast. I, I live uh, vicariously through, and uh, you know, being a chef and also being yeah. a, a good partner in life. It's, yes, uh, there's only so much time, and I'm also living in a place that's not home. So you know, we get two weeks off a year. One week is in the Caribbean, and the other week is um, we also have grandchildren. You know, it's just life. But yeah. at the same point, I feel so grateful to be in a play like you know for the new year's run every year i in the kitchen i find a way to stream them sure while i'm cooking work my ass off but um you know it's so much easier to be close to them and i know i will get back there and yeah, i know yeah. i have to do it sooner than later but i got i got nothing on i maybe maybe can be can use my buddies extra for two nights of dicks right. um but he put in he put together like a Shit, I don't know, man. Like three thousand dollar cart. Uh, I mean, just three night run here. Just whatever, like I can get. And he was nervous that he and he got. He was like, I got maybe three, two tickets to three different shows. Awesome. And I didn't even have. You know, he was gonna. I was gonna be able to be a part of whatever I wanted to out of those tickets. But I didn't. You know, uh, I I've been been getting shut out pretty hardcore. Um, and it's just like. Uh, I've, I'm at a spot now where I can really only be serious about committing if I'm not lying to myself about the financial piece. Sure. Because you're getting on a, it's a $2,000 thing to go to Atlantic City for, you know, yeah, no, two, two, two plane, you know, a bunch of hotel rooms, party like, you know, it's 1999. Uh, oftentimes well, you're looking at uh, secondary market. You know, prices all, for tickets. All so. those things. And that's, you know, I think that you and I are both in a place where, you know, financially, first of all, you know, gone are the days of, let's, uh, holy shit, fish is here, 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 here. And then, okay, what do we got? 14 days. Okay. My, my, my uh, Midwest run of 95. <laughs> fall to, yeah. Right, exactly. And I miss those Northeast, like spring and fall, summer runs. We were telling the story that, um, great, this is a 93 or 94 when they played the, the Theater St. Denis. We, um, we left Albany, saw the great, and I still think it's the last game, Henge, the Great Woods 94 summer, or spring maybe. No, we were at Amherst, and then we went to Great Woods, and then we had to pop up to Plattsburgh, New York, which is the north country of New York, because I knew a guy that might have grown a lot of weed, and so <laughs> we had to pick up a quarter pound, and then while we were there, and, uh, um, well, I hey, to tell the story honestly, I have to be honest, um, Cousin Polly's dead now. He was a big Coke dealer in Plattsburgh, and we were getting the weed, and he walks in, and it was a cousin of a friend of mine, so he lays down these railroad ties that we all fucking snort up our nose, and then we get talked into eating mushrooms. Oh, my God. And then it's just this weird thing, and we're listening to the radio, show 97.7, a, a station out of Montreal. Fish had the night off. And out of show, out of nowhere, they said in a in a in an odd uh, to be announced show, the band Fish is playing at the Theater Saint Denis, and uh, the Theater Saint Denis is a classical music, um, beautiful venue, man. Really? So we looked at each other. All right, so we fucking hop in the car, we go across the border, and don't you know we get detained oh and fuck i'm on psychedelics cocaine fucking mushrooms marijuana and i'm put in this room and i thought i was having a heart attack but let me tell you we were calm and cool and uh, they didn't we didn't have anything on us nothing like that 
and they sent us through. We All went, the drugs are in here, sir. Uh, yeah, exactly. We literally had everything in, so we weren't that stupid, right. you know. And we, I mean, growing up on the border, my hometown's a half an hour south of Montreal. We know Montreal very well. And um, but there was like 300 people, I think, at that show. That was it. Wow. Fish, Fishman came out with. And if you look that show up, man, one okay. day, they did a, a big, big black furry creature from our Fishman came out with the vest, did the fucking washboard nice. shit, and um, I just remember at one point there. Looking around, I'm like, well, fuck, man. I guess more people are going to come in. I'm a big fish. Maybe I have this. And they walk out on stage. I'm like, holy fuck. There's no one here. And uh, But th- that that was the time period back then where, hey, fish is playing two weeks. Let's take it out. We'll go camp here. We'll camp on the side of the road. Now, if I were to do it, I would get the hotel room. Yeah. I would find a nice Play around the golf. Play around the golf. Go catch the fish. Have and, a know, tourist day. The, yeah, the psychedelics aren't happening right. anymore. You know, I'll get high as shit probably. Maybe a couple cocktails here and there. but uh, And have a great time. So yeah. if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it in style. And So uh, how many times have you been to Montreal and have you ever seen a Habs game? I've never seen the Habs game, okay. which is funny. And uh, like I was telling you, I was raised in hockey country. But uh, because I was not a hockey player, I think I subconsciously grew to despise the game um oh okay okay. i still i love the game i know enough about it but um you know who colby geralt's is no chef owner of rye and blue stem anyway his wife is the pastry chef chef. i know about them okay uh they on facebook uh i don't know maybe a month ago uh i think it was her that posted it and it was like like they're in new york and they were like we're at a crossroads because the one spot of our itinerary, like we're not all on the same page and mm-hmm. it was Broadway show or a Rangers game at MSG. And the post is like from their seats at oh, MSG. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, good family there, yeah, man. Right. You made the right choice. Great choice on that one. Just oh. because, and I, you know, uh, the, the Rangers, I, you know, I don't know, New York original six, they've always just kind of been, admirable like yeah. i don't love them i'm not a fan i don't root for them but i i i love what they represent it's american hockey um an amazing franchise amazing venue yeah. uh gorgeous uniforms the great one finishes career there Hish- i mean history like you yeah. said and being a new yorker like you know but again we were let's put it this way in my hometown which is on the canadian border we had 90 percent uh, hab fans and okay uh, i mean it was just a hab country and i mean i got friends that Still have the old, uh, they're, they they were season ticket holders from the old, um, what was it called, the Forum? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they have those chairs in their house now. Fucking yeah, Which is cool as hell, right? Guy Lafleur, I mean, sure. who else is there? Ron Hextall was there too for a little while, right? Yeah. Like, so all those, yeah. Um, so Montreal, I don't even know. I, let's put it this way. I'm from New York. I've been to New York City 10 times i've been to montreal a thousand times <laughs> a half an hour across the border right, and you're up there right. my, my mother's french canadian i have a love of montreal never I, been to a fucking habs game no ne- never That's been crazy. to a habs game but i've been to every great french restaurant there okay um you know and just uh Maybe Always. that's better. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that uh, the old uh, um, old Montreal is... I just tell everyone, you you got to see New York City for just New York City. And I love everything about New York City. I love when people try to tell me that people from New York City are assholes. And I'm like, no, they're not. They're really not. And they aren't, man. They're busy. They got yeah. shit to do. Yeah. And when you're sitting there in the middle of Times Square with your head looking around, my, um, they're just going to be like, get the fuck out of my way, man. My uh, Baker's Dozen, that was my first and only time. And my, 
at the time, my wife's, uh, I mean, she's my ex-wife now, but her kid's sister was living there. Um, And so we, she didn't like have a place. I mean, she found a place for us to stay, but she didn't have one of her own. But we were kind of with her for the week or whatever. Um, And I was like, you know, I was going into the trip with the mindset of, I hate crowds. I hate hurrying. Uh, I don't want to be stressed. Like, how am I? You're I, going to the busiest, well, I had to, most populated place. Right? I had to have a mindset. I had to be intentional. Like, don't fucking be sour grapes. Like, you know. So I did, and I loved it. Um, but at one point, I was like, why the fuck is everybody, like, constantly buying, you know, one beverage? And she's like, well, I mean, I'd love to have a 12 pack of LaCroix in my, at work, but I'm not fucking carrying that. And I was like, oh, and she's like, dude, everything about this city is, you know, do you, do you want it badly enough to carry it? Yeah. And from there we started talking about like what her laundry routine, you know, she had a service that had different tiers that, you know, I was like, ah, that's what, that's where the rap comes from. Yeah. Is that people are juggling a lot of different things and they're busy and they're moving fast. Yeah, and it's just from a just from an engineering feat. Like people don't think about water supply. Like you well, know, and everybody's also it's it, this way. Yeah, so everybody's on top. Of each uh, everyone's other. on top. That's the only way you can go because right. you can't go out of the water. I mean, there's only so much land there, and it's so populated. And again, like the water that comes from the Catskills, man, that's where all the water comes in. Like their water system is like it's a feat of engineering. New York City is a feat of in- engineering, and. As being someone that was born in Massachusetts, raised in northern New York, which is pretty much southern Canada, um, New York City was a, a complete foreign entity to me as a as a kid. But then as I went to college and I dated a girl, and I think this might be a great place to um, to end up because it brings music um, and also what music meant to me and yeah. something completely different than Fish. Yeah. This is a Billy Joel story. Ooh. So Billy Joel to this day is also one of my favorite artists. Love it. I just love fucking Billy Joel and I love his live fucking music, you know, scenes from an Italian restaurant, fucking uh, the Down Easter Alexa, like so much of this shit just for me being where I'm from. First two albums I purchased, Led Zeppelin 4, Innocent Man. Innocent Man. Innocent Man's a great album. Great fucking album. One of the first uh, um, 45s I can remember, my friend bought me Pressure. Okay. Um, dun, 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 pressure. Dun, dun, dun. Listen to that song again. It is intense. It's very good, man. I wore... I That's the first tape I broke, which is Greatest Hits Volume 1 and 2. Yeah. I'm no, sad to say I was oh, too young to yeah, be diving no, into the that, records. That album, I think, was in Zero, a lot of households in that no time No skips. Period. Yep. No skin, and it's no. a double. It's oh, a, double it's a double album. album. Exactly, fucking so good. Oh, so great. Exactly. Um, and, uh, the Entertainer is a very underrated song. Um, Love it by by him. Also, everything about like if you really listen that, like if, if I, I got to keep it under three hundred five, or I'll be in the back of the rack, or something like that. Like him telling about like you know these were the gr- the best years of my life, but like hey, you know I'm sorry if I don't recognize you, but I got to keep on moving, man. That's the name of the like everything about Billy Joel is cool, and so. Um, the girl that I met when I um, uh, went to Morrisville was a girl from East Islip, uh, Long Island. Sarah was her name, and we fell in love like young kids do. And <laughs> we, we even, uh, after a year, we were engaged. And then um, at that time, I was kind of going down a darker path of like psychedelics, fish. She was finishing up her bachelor's degree. We, you know, at, and I was too stupid to realize it. Um, but, you know, she broke up with me and broke my heart. And, uh, and we became friends probably about two or three years after that incident. 
and just from afar kind of, but we, you know, again, at that point, we both had moved on with our life and I realized that I was young and had to experiment with life. So, um, I was a brewmaster at the time and, uh, she always kept uh, friends with my, uh, my family. And so when Sarah got married back in 1995, we drove down my mother, my sister, um, and I brought, as a brewmaster, I brought a, a two five-gallon kegs of a Belgian Abbey ale that I had brewed and won a World Beer Cup silver for. And Belgian Abbeys back in were unknown of style. Uh, right? I and, mean, and, uh, how this, many people know about that style today? Yeah, and this was 30 years ago, right? Yeah. I but, only knew about it because uh, New Belgium, New Belgium uh, exactly. had one. Yeah, and I had all, I still have all the uh, like uh, 11 by 15 card like glossy of of each it's like a label okay right like, trip you know uh obviously the fat tire with the bike was anyway and, yeah. but there was an abbey and the picture is an That's, abbey yeah they're or, fat, or they're, a, a monk correct and so yeah an abbey and it's so funny because when i brewed it my sister um weirdest story i brewed that beer and my sister gave birth like um the day that i racked it and um then, you know, my mother called me. I called Julie. This is, again, back in 1995, I think. Abby would now be 27. Yeah, holy fuck. Um, so, anyway, I go, oh, my God, so it's a daughter. And I'm like, what's her name? And she goes, I, I, I named her Abigail. And I'm like, oh, my fucking God. I'm like, well, there's the name. So we called it the Abigail Ale. And, ah. I, and I brought it down to the Culinary Institute of America for the first tap New York. And that was the first me- one gold medal. I was a young, long-haired brewmaster did people dig it oh, at that okay. party yeah, no, no one the reason i won because no one ever had an abbey ale before even in the craft beer the thing so anyway i was like kind of ahead of, of the curve on that one and then you know the belgian craze then took over we have blue moon now i mean that's more of a wheat style but anyway to get back to the story i remember distinctly coming going down to her wedding and uh, this sums up music new york and everything that defines new york and what makes it great um, her now ex-husband, but the guy she was marrying was a merchant marine, and that's where they had their uh, wedding was in Great Neck, and it was at this like marine kind of ballroom, and it was sitting over the bay, and the Whitestone Bridge was in the background, if I remember correctly, and we were all drunk on the Belgian Abbey Ale, and Sarah and her ex-husband, her husband then, and all of their New York Long Island friends all got together and they had a live guy playing. And at the end of the night, while the sun was going down, the bay was in the background. He plays piano man. And all those kids got together with arms around each other. And they were just singing. Not, I mean, we all know the, the yeah. lyrics of, of yeah. piano man, but these kids, it was, it's like, it was them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I remember thinking, I am not part of that New York City vibe, but that's so fucking cool, man. My my good friend who I've known since like '82, um, just coincidentally, I mean, he, he he all of him and his three siblings all went to school in Dallas, okay, and some are still there. He he ended up coming back, um, and he wound up living in the neighborhood and and wound up having uh like his twelve year old daughter is besties with my 12 year old daughter and his nine-year-old son is a bestie with my nine-year-old son uh you know godfathers and and so when they got married intertwined um he said i need you to do this thing for me and it's uh you know after you've done all of the father daughter and the throwing of the whatever do all the things and then it's you know kind of like okay i guess this is uh, where people maybe start peeling off and going sure. home. But anyways, like before we get to that, I need you to 
orchestrate this version of Piano Man that is going to involve everybody that's in attendance forming a giant circle wow. around us. Um, and uh, every time the refrain, or, or, or no, you, you have to have a mic. So just kind of at your own pace, you know, the verses are playing, yep. uh, sit, sit at the bar and put bread on my, and you just get to say, and drink. And people drink, and then you say, and step. And you and step and drink. And so by the time you get, so you got to pace yourself because right. it's not a short song. Not at all. So by the time the song ends, the whole ring of people is now in a tight circle around the new bride and groom. And so we did it and it was a blast. And then uh, part of the gig is like you, you have to, once you've orchestrated, if you've been asked to orchestrate it, then you have to do it, make it happen at somebody else's uh, wedding and hopefully it passed. But that's, that's cool as hell, yeah. man. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's, you know, and also with music, too. And it's so, the one thing that I, sometimes I don't like about the Grateful Dead scene and, and the fish scene is how passionate everyone is. And, you know what, but this is the way our world's just moving into now. Somehow, some way, people's opinions have turned to where, like, they have to be right, you know? And yeah. the one thing that I always love about music... Keep it moving. I don't need that here. <laughs> exactly. And there's just, and that's why, you know, Johnny Fishman, to me, is so great about, about that when I listen to his Errant Pass show. It's like... Dude, and that's how I am. Like, I'll hear like an African, like, I don't know, tribal like drum beat or something. I'm like, that's fucking hot, dude. Like, you know, or jazz or like, you know, like bluegrass, like oh, Billy Strings. Do you know who Billy yeah, Strings is? Yeah, of course, oh, man. Oh my God, that kid is like, he's got my heart and soul, man. Well, like, he, he sat in with, so Billy joined Tab. He did. On the same week that. Trey played with Goose. Right. And I was like, okay, Trey, have a, have yourself a week, brother. Right. And that's what they were talking about, too, is like Trey, you know, uh, Uncle Red's becoming like the uncle. Like he's, <laughs> he's, he's literally like passing the torch on to these kids. But I'll be honest with you. I think Billy Strings is, and I think Trey would probably tell you this, Trey would wish that he had, and Trey is just a different guitar. Wishes that, he had Billy's chops. Oh, my God. That kid is just disgusting. Like, and he's, uh, um, if you get a chance on YouTube, look at uh, Bela Fleck and Billy uh, Strings doing Balderdash together. Okay. Oh, my fucking God. And, like, when you see Bela Fleck just being like, <laughs> I mean, come on, Bela. Yeah, yeah. Everyone looks at Bela and does that. I saw Bela back in 1994, and he was playing the banjo with one hand, and I had never seen that before. And I was pretty drunk, but I just stared at him in the House of Blues in South Carolina being like, holy, and then Victor Wooten. Like, but oh, so, man. like, Billy is just, he's he, and he's such a humble, beautiful, his story is amazing, yeah. everything about him. Yeah. I wish more people could learn more about him, and um, he, he's cool, but... To get back to my point is that, you know, my love for music will always be Fish, The Grateful Dead, the psychedelic scene. It's what hit me. It changed me. But I just truly have a Kickstarted your errant path. It, it did. Um, but music, man. And, and now you use errant jokingly just for the sake just, of... Just for this. I think that music... More people need to listen to music, and it doesn't have to be... It can be any kind of music, right. you know? Right. And I used to be very, like anti-pop music i'm even trying to embrace that sure. now man yeah. like and then when there's cool shit like i was listening to that lord girl uh um will never be royal yeah yeah, yeah. what a beautiful fucking song man. yeah and i was or you know who else i was listening to is um older song um um treat me like a criminal it was a um uh, or is it criminal um it's a uh female taylor uh, swift no this no. is old, old okay boom boom um 
Anyway, it was, a, right. I can't remember her name, but it was a song that 15 years ago was on the radio and I wouldn't give it the time of day, but like I'm driving the car, I'm like, holy shit, that's good. So I think music is just so important. I think yeah. it's great that you're doing this. I think Thanks. People need to talk about it more. It's just, you can learn so much about a person through music and um, as a chef without it, I don't know what I'd do. Right. So uh, I do probably play more golf. <laughs> yeah, that's it's, true. But, but you have to be in a kitchen. You can't play golf no. in the kitchen. You can always listen to music. Right. <laughs> uh, so how's your game these days? Uh, is it where you want it to be? Um, I put a lot of work over the winter and... Um, I've played two rounds outside, and they uh, both have had very disappointing nines that I probably have shoot shot the highest score that I've shot in probably five years. Oh wow! But um, it's okay. Yeah, it's um, it's a good pro. I've um, really incorporated. You need a, that a high draw into my game, and I've never hit a high draw. And I'm uh, sorry. Uh, um, a ball shape. I always hit a high cut, which the ball kind of goes like that. So now I've learned to hit a high draw on command, and. Um, just these little things where the ball goes a little longer. Okay. Um, but then I just blatantly just um, played really shitty golf too. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, mentally, I've never been in a better place with that game. It is another music, golf, those are two things that just, I love them. I'm always happy when I'm there. And um, like all things in life, um, it's part of the process. Yeah. You know? Uh, so what does the world right, need right now to make it a better place to live in? People to listen to each other more. I think people to, I know America needs to, in my, just just my opinion. Right. That um, someone could uh, have uh, certain beliefs and another person can have other beliefs and then you can still like each other. Sure. You can actually converse. And, you know, and converse and not understand it. Or maybe even be neighbors in some cases. Exactly. But it's not your, like, this is the thing that I've been trying to, to do with everyone. It's like, it's not your it's not your place for them to have to agree with you. Like, this is what makes our country so beautiful. Yeah. Like, you know, just listen to them and allow them to be who they are. And, you know, I mean, if you really feel like you need to change their mind, then I don't know. You know, maybe you don't need to. Um, um, you know, and I'm not, right? I, I'm not, I'm not like... Um, um, condoning or, or, or given like, you know, ignorance will always be ignorance and it should always be shamed. It should always be spotted. Racism should always be spotted. But like if someone believes in more state rights or someone believes more conservative things than like, you know, me, I'm fiscally conservative. I'm socially liberal, like as liberal as you can get. Right. I don't expect everyone to view the world like me, but at right. the same point, like it is what it is. So I think the world needs more of just okay listening to one listening another, listening to each other. And I know I need to be a better listener. And uh, so I think I think we all do. What's uh, you win the lottery tomorrow? What's your first move? Like literal first move is yeah. grabbing Liz and uh, driving somewhere to a hotel that no one knows. Well, are we talking like like uh, like I don't know five hundred million? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, of more than you could spend before more you're more dead. More than you spend. Yeah, I I'm I'm a very practical person, so my uh, first thing is making sure that everything gets secured. So no, uh, um, you know, it's one thing to win the money; it's the other thing to have it into safe accounts. Yeah. But from there, uh, yeah, get everyone uh, taken care of that needs to be taken care of in my life, and then travel. Okay. All right, travel. Um, if you could snap your fingers uh-huh. and have all of the pieces you need to give a gift to somebody, whatever it is, who is the recipient and what is the gift? Um, my fiance Liz. I'll always give her um, everything, you know, because she was the one that kind of um, didn't run away from me. So um, we've how, been together. How long has she had that title? Uh, Eleven years now. Engaged? Uh, oh, engaged. Uh, yeah, eight years. And then we moved here for her, uh, her uh, daughter and granddaughter. And um, 
you know, we, we joke someday we're going to get married. It's just, a you know, when you start having grandkids and you move for them, um, other things seem to get, yeah. get, get in the way. It's just of, a formality. It, it is a format. I, I believe it. I don't ever want to speak for, um, Any, right, I for anyone you. else, I feel um, but it, I know it's a formality for me. And the only thing I can take care of is myself. And I know that, um, you know, I've never been in a place and there's something to be said about, um, 11 years with, uh, with anyone is, uh, is let alone myself is, is, is not easy. And, uh, you know, I think it's a lot, 49 years old coming right up. I think it's the, the age, the maturity. Man, um, you know what's crazy is that I don't know that it is supposed to be. And I think no. maybe we think that, you know, you get go to school and get a job and married kids, blah, blah, blah. And then you're like, oh, it's still just the grind, right? Yeah. I mean, I, what I find the um, hardest the true hardest concept of long-term relationships that are sexual. Um, and that's different than like non-sexual. I'm sorry. It is. Absolutely. It, it is. Um, you know, I Without think, question. I think that first you, you always have to like, you know, listen, you have to take care of yourself because that, 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 you know, I mean, whatever we are, who we are and, and, you know, by no means as, as, as looks and be, but I think you should keep yourself up to like for your partner. But I think also, this is where I was going to get back. That's a side tangent. It's easy to give up something that you really are not that passionate about, but any successful relationship is going to have to have you give up something that's not easy for you to give up. And it could be a habit. It could be material. Once you start doing those, then I think you are on a path of a good relationship because it's easy. Oh, okay, um, I'm not going to golf six days a week. (laughs) You know, I mean, those things are all easy, but to truly... To say that you're wrong, to say that you're sorry, to 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 take a look at yourself and say, you know what, in the you aspect right. of the, this relationship, I know I'm bringing baggage to the table and I have to fix that. I have to change it. I have to give this up. That's a hard part, man. Yeah. And I think once you start to do that, then I think... Um, well, because it's not like a thing you go do. It's not like you write an essay and turn it in and it's done. No, now you have to live it. Exactly. And I think also like you have to learn to appreciate um in you know that robin williams scene with uh, uh damon there in the um goodwill hunting when he was just like you know it's not about their um what, what did he say it, it was their quirks that he thinks that like you know when she rolled over and farted in the middle of the night or you know like all these small little things that you could either say maybe they annoy me instead i think you need to embrace those and and really try to understand the essence of the person and also i think there's like what homer is that is that carlton fisk uh yeah is that the homer fucking yeah and he's like and then shortly after was a fucking bucky dent but yeah and then he says uh so would the place go nuts and he's like don't know i wasn't there and he's like what (laughs) great fucking story yeah great story and but um, the court i interrupted the quirks yeah and, and and all that and i think like i said it's just um you know for me i know that i've found like rituals are very important for me like getting up in the, in the morning or at night now and i have my tea but like the rituals of interacting with each other during the oh um, man during, during the morning and and those things and again just like you know i i don't know uh, that's where that's I feel, like the uh engine's oil 
It is. You know, can't you can't, eventually something's going to break or overheat or whatever if you don't have that in there. Or take a look at it. This is how I've kind of like kind of looked at it. Like I uh, probably about five years ago stopped giving up the conception of happiness because really, if you think about it, happiness is an elevated feeling, which means that there has to be some kind of cup down, cup down. And with anything that kind of like comes off the center axis, if it's here, that means that it has to be over here also. That's the way that the universe works, right? So I mean, anytime that you achieve happiness, there's probably got to be a correlating emotion that is the opposite of that which is sadness anger you know negative things and i do find that like the middle content region is a very very sound stable region to be in and to be content in a relationship is so healthy i believe and um you know, the shiny red ball thing will never work in a relationship. I think, I mean, happy is a thing that you dip in and out of. No, it's there. And I don't want, I want to be happy. I want to laugh. But at the same time, you're right. But it is a pool that you should swim carefully. Maybe. Yeah. Just but not, just to expect, just horrible. to be all of your waking hours to be I'll, it, happy across the board. It's no, dude. It's, it's it almost sounds like a version of hell, really. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, really, at yeah. the end of the day, I mean, what is hell? It's a place that you don't even know that you're there. And I think, really, again, you know, this... Um, uh, this what's the, na- what's life, the name of that song? Uh, Terrible uh, thing about hell. That, that is, oh, is that Is that when you're there, yeah. you can't right. even tell... I'm not sure. It's always like... Um, that Bri- Brian and Robert is, if you're just oh, staring oh, at your walls... I love that song. Uh, maybe it is... This no... Ficus yeah. is, it's one of those weird songs. It came around the sick disc. I feel like it's no. That's it's, uh, that's story of the ghost. Oh, is it story yeah, of the yeah, ghost? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sick um, disc is like all the instrumental. But I always for that's some where reason, we get um, um, fuck my left foot or two left feet or no, 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 no. The they play it live often. Yeah, they it's, do. Um, exactly uh, what you're talking about. Uh, uh, but anyway, um, yeah, man. Um, I, uh, we could talk. I know you and I could talk fish forever. Um, but yeah. Um, and you know the other. Thing What's too, the use? What's the use? That is it. That's a great album, actually. That was cool. That was when they just like they were having record on all the time, I guess, right in the studio, and then they were like, "Fuck, this is good shit." Is it it, uh, story of the ghost leftovers? Oh, that's that's exactly right. That's what it is. So you were right. I mean, that's exactly. Yeah. Terrible thing about hell is that when you're there, you can't even tell. Right. Move through the world. The the lyrics, uh, the package of lyrics that is that song is like holy shit yeah. like you could say you know you'd take that you'd look at that as a slide in the microscope and then take it out and be like whoa you gotta see this yeah, man exactly this is- you know there's a lot of fish songs up here and they, you know i know tom marshall and trey can get goofy at times and sometimes right. i think it's for phonetic value right like you know the word is there just for the sound it's more been- than it is but then there's a, like even that song sleep man like or like i remember first for the first time like when you're there, I sleep yeah. length eyes. Yeah. And when you're gone, I, I was like, wow, yeah. that does happen, man. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like just yeah. shit like yeah. that, which I always think is cool well, fish. Well, I know we got to get you out of here, um, yeah. Rob Davis, but thank you so very much. Thank uh, you, I know fun. you got very little time outside of the building and to give uh have you give some to me feels uh like a gift so well this is a gift for me also because i think um a lot of thoughts and just stories stay bottled up sometimes so well and just to be able to talk to someone who loves music and you also gave me the opportunity to talk about one of my favorite records of all time so there is that (laughs) uh thanks man thank you that was fun dude